0: It's Monday. It's August 17th. And the word of the day is diphthong, which means a sound formed by the combination of two vowels in a single syllable in which the sound begins as one vowel and moves toward another. Used in a sentence, in the definition I saw, the example of a diphthong was the word side. And I spent the next five minutes trying to say side really fast to make it one vowel sound. Like side, 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 fuck, side. I failed four or five straight minutes. You're doing it at home right now, aren't you, listener? We, we can hear you <laughs> doing it through the podcast.
1: <laughs> just to, Unrelated, but dipthong is probably the top of the list of words that should be insults and aren't. Ooh, in for sure. didn't make it happen. I'm no
0: illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick, dipthong. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delay from America's far center, we are the Skeptocrats. On oh, this week's episode, comma
2: comma 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 Revealion. Oh, that will <laughs> sound
0: great when we layer in the
1: theme music. Kevin Costner's <laughs> 1997 shitfest The Postman turns out to be shockingly
0: prescient and side fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but first, the rest of the intro music. Joining me for headlines tonight are my fellow Skeptocrats, No Illusions and Eli Bosnick. Gentlemen, we got a big election coming up. So let's make some early predictions. When will the election happen? <laughs> <laughs> I guess in particular, when will it end? Like when will the loser concede? Oh, um, I like it
1: when you keep them easy November third, November
2: third, and never. <laughs>
0: Very solid picks.
2: Uh, Nice try, Heath. We learned four years ago that the jokes we make on this show come true. So my answer is Asa, Akira, Riley Reed, and Oral Honey all need a place to stay starting in November. (laughs) There
0: you go. Yeah. All right. Let's see how that plays out in our lead story tonight. Ben Shapiro's wife told him that a wet vagina is disease. (laughs) That's (laughs) our lead story indefinitely. And speaking of great news, in our other lead story... Saved by the Bell is coming back with a reboot. That's right. They got Elizabeth Berkley and Mario Lopez, Jesse Spano, and Albert (laughs) Clifford Slater are on the fuck board. Get excited. Okay. And in unrelated news, (laughs) that uh, doesn't really matter because nothing else really matters after what I just told you. We also have a story about the presidential election in November. Joe Biden chose Kamala Harris to be his running mate. So, Eli, you have any super nuanced, clever quips about that? She's
2: a cop, and she's not from America. Hate you so much. I also hate you so much. Thank you.
0: Okay, so (laughs) let's start with the good news part of this, I guess. First of all, Tucker Carlson is still trying to finish a sentence about Kamala Harris selling (laughs) seashells on the seashore. He
2: can't do it.
0: He's really having trouble. Also... We have an extremely intelligent person in line to be vice president, who will murderate Mike Pence and oh debate. yeah. Uh- <laughs> and for the first time in history, we have a woman of color in that position. And regardless of your opinion about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, we're going to talk about some criticisms that are valid. But regardless of your opinion, we now have the most progressive major party presidential ticket in American history by a pretty good margin, thanks to some great work by people like Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Party platform has been moving to the left. I've heard many people say the opposite about the direction of the party, but, you know, that's because those people are wrong. Yeah, they're like, it's corporate shills like the black Asian woman that are holding back the true
2: progressives like that 70-year-old white guy I like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, let's
1: be clear. If your knock on Kamala Harris is that she's not far enough to the left, you either don't realize how far to the left she is or you're mad because your Cracker Jack prize wasn't a
2: pony. Okay, but Noah, it won't be a pony till we stop buying Cracker Jacks. (laughs) That's what I'm telling you. They'll put a pony in there if we don't buy them. (laughs) All
0: right. So let's look at some of the pros and cons about Kamala Harris. I'll start with the pros. First of all, and most relevant, I would say, Harris has one of the most progressive voting records in the current Senate, rated by Progressive Punch as... More progressive than Liz Warren and Bernie Sanders, actually. Boo. In terms of major policy, <laughs> Harris supports Medicare for All. And she supports paying for that by increasing the corporate tax rate and increasing taxes on higher personal incomes. And throughout her career as the district attorney for San Francisco, attorney general of California, and a U.S. senator, she's fought for a variety of other progressive causes, too. That includes refusing to seek the death penalty, advocating for strong penalties against large corporations that cause environmental damage, defending Obamacare in court, opposing bigoted anti-LGBT legislation, fighting against predatory bank lending, establishing a homeowner's bill of rights, and implementing mandatory body cameras for the California police. So that's just, you know, a handful there. And for anyone who's calling her cop with a K, Rude. first of all, that's fucking stupid. And also, read her platform. Just read the platform. Check it out. I'm sure you're all pausing right now to get more educated and change your opinion based on new information. i will give you a minute. Okay. Heath, this is unfair. Okay. 30% of this country is filled with
2: ghouls that think Trump's doing a good job, but I have to change my opinion based on new evidence? Fuck you. I will begrudgingly (laughs) go along with the truth as a compromise. Begrudgingly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Begrudged. We, we are asking
1: you to be ever so slightly more informed than a Trump supporter. And sadly, there are people listening to the show who will fail to rise to that challenge.
0: Please send me long emails. I'll definitely read them. <laughs> I put a lot of effort into that. <laughs> and that brings us to the cons. And again, they certainly exist. I'm not saying they don't. I, I believe some of them are important, actually. Now, unfortunately, a bunch of the criticism that's out there is nonsense several of the highest profile opposition pieces to Harris are heavily based on terrible arguments. And if your current opinion is based on something you read from, I don't know, Lara Bazelon, for example, you can hear a detailed analysis about those flawed attacks on opening arguments episode 412 just came out.
1: Or, or every bit as likely if your opinions are based off of a tweet thread from a guy who read the hit piece by Lara Bazelon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, most of no, it. <laughs> But seriously, check out that episode of OA. They do a great job giving a a fair, fact-based evaluation of Kamala Harris overall, pros and cons. Uh, They do a deeper dive than we're going to do here. So really check it out. Also, fun fact, Lara Baslan is supporting the Biden-Harris ticket despite everything Mm -hmm. she's written. Bernie Sanders is also supporting that ticket. And Bernie is currently leading a task force along with Biden to make the Democrats' healthcare plan more progressive. It's good stuff happening. But let's focus on the reasonable criticism. Yeah! And, okay. So one of the biggest examples of reasonable criticism is Harris refusing to use her prosecutorial discretion to shy away from harsh treatment of nonviolent criminals, especially regarding marijuana offenders. Again, valid criticism. And Harris has taken that criticism and changed her stance. She's expressed regret about those decisions and now she's in favor of legalization. She's also modified her stance on policing in general. Ten years ago, She was in favor of a larger police presence, and now she supports the exact opposite. And what I just described is a virtue in a politician. Yeah. The ability to hear criticism and consider new information and change one's opinion to be, in this case, more progressive and more enlightened... Is a virtue. We want that,
2: obviously. I mean, Keith, is it so much to ask that someone has been perfect through their entire highly scrutinized public career? I mean, I know, for example, I have always been right about all my political opinions. Always. Yeah, I know you've been honest. Yep. Yeah, so, right. So that's the real
1: key to it. Look, I've winced listening back over some of the shit that we said when we first started this show. But the, but the fact that Kamala Harris would agree with you on most of the harshest criticisms you would have of the job that she did as a prosecutor is more than exonerating. In itself, that's virtuous, especially when contrasted against President, I take no responsibility at all.
0: Right. Yes. And really, that's the bottom line is you've got to compare all your criticisms to the one other option that there is. We're going to get to that in a second. So- I mentioned that we're looking at the most progressive major ticket in American presidential history. That being said, personally, I'd like the ticket to be more progressive. But here we are. Sadly, I'm seeing plenty of people who are planning on behavior that refuses to acknowledge the the fucking here-ness and now-ness of here and now. (laughs) Time's a bitch. (laughs) Here's what's going to happen. On January 20th of next year, the executive branch of the United States is going to be led by Donald Trump and Mike Pence or by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Like it or not, that's the reality. Mm -hmm. So lots of people are going to have to make a compromise at the voting booth, myself included. This isn't my favorite ticket either. And by the way, when I say lots of people are going to have to make a compromise, I actually mean literally everyone Mm -hmm. because that's how democracy works. At any given moment in a democracy, the government is going to have people and policies that aren't exactly what you want. Politics in a democracy, is made of compromise. It's literally, that's what it's made of. Yes, part of the process is about philosophy. That's important. But another part is the strategy of compromise and coalition building. That's also important. And when people are good with the philosophy part, but they ignore the strategy part, those people lower their value to society. Don't be those people. Okay, Heath, counterpoint. Don't say... She's she's, a cop. I'm going to, oh my God. God damn it. Eli's canceled. Speaking of which, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, The Great Courses Plus.
1: Hey, podcast listener. If we know our podcast audience, you're staying home as often as you can right now. And
0: good for you. But let me ask you something. You know, just between us.
2: What are you going to say you did with all that time at home?
0: You're going to make that
2: Macaroni, Mona Lisa? Are you really going to watch all of Frasier again?
1: Or are you going to take this time to become more informed, creative, and
0: inspired with The Great Courses Plus? I've used The Great Courses Plus to cook amazing dishes that I'd never even heard of. I use The Great Courses Plus to get Heath's economics jokes.
2: Okay, but, but do you get them? I use it to try to get Heath's economics
1: okay. jokes. And I've used The Great Courses Plus to expand my knowledge about the universe with experiencing Hubble, exploring the Milky Way. The lecturer, David Meyer, uses the stunning images captured by Hubble to explain some of the most cutting-edge concepts in astronomy. See, astronomy is one of those fields where we're learning so much so fast that you have to keep learning it over and over again, and The Great Courses
0: Plus makes that fun and easy. That's right, with thousands of lectures on almost any topic imaginable.
2: And new courses are added all the time. There's something for everyone.
1: Now is the perfect time to sign up for The Great Courses Plus, and our listeners can check out any course or lecture for free today. That's free access to their entire library. Don't wait any longer.
0: Sign up today using our special URL. Start your free trial at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat.
1: I'm sorry, did you say macaroni Mona Lisa?
0: Noodles are my medium.
1: And we're back. Next up in headlines in Pip to the Post news. Rain, (laughs) heat and gloom of night have nothing on the fucking Trump administration. And we learned that when the U.S. Postal Service sent detailed letters to 46 states and the District of Columbia warning that they couldn't guarantee that all ballots cast by mail in November would arrive in time to be counted. Which came on the heels of news that the USPS had been actively removing mail sorting machines from distribution facilities since June with absolutely no explanation to anyone and months of concerted effort by Trump to denigrate the entire concept of voting by mail. Which, by the way, in case you didn't know... Is the black and Hispanic form of absentee
0: ballot? OK, but uh, just in case you think I'm being racist, I'm adding a dedicated mail slot for people of color.
2: Uh, sir, that's a shred:
0: dedicated mail slot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and though we don't need help connecting the dots, this bumbling fucker has dribbled out behind him along the way, uh, he gave it to us anyway, once again, in the form of a taped goddamn confession. President, too stupid for pretense, was interviewed on the Fox Business Network on Thursday and could not help but blurt out his master plan and say that he's opposing emergency funding for the post office because he doesn't want him to be able to process the millions and millions of ballots. Quote, if we don't make a deal, that means they don't get the money. That means they can't have universal mail-in voting. They just can't have it.
2: End quote.
0: Uh, Don't worry. Don't worry. This uh, whole democracy kerfuffle issue small problem it's going to work itself out in payroll we got it
2: <laughs> okay i'll tell you what these states can have mail-in voting <laughs> tennessee <laughs> yeah, end <right>. of list
1: <laughs> sorry he's uh, eli's impression was better there's no way he knows the word kerfuffle <laughs> come on um, yep, and not that go. i need to remind our audience of this but no story on any medium should cover this topic without emphasizing how many people rely on the fucking mail right? People get their goddamn medicines mailed to them, especially people with severely limited mobility. Yeah, you know, their medicines tend to be super fucking important. People on fixed incomes, those for whom a couple of days delay in their income can be devastating, get their checks mailed to them. And Trump has shown himself perfectly willing to sacrifice those people altogether if it means a chance at disenfranchising enough
0: Democratic fucking voters to steal this election. Absolutely evil. Like, give it a couple more weeks and there's one single post office to serve the new postal district shaped like a fucking constellation of nothing but urban black populations connected by highways yeah. and lines. <laughs> right. And another week for the Supreme Court to say, that's totally fine. We pawn- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you guys do what you want state by state.
1: Now, th- now the silver haired lining on this one is that the people most likely to be affected by this are also the ones most likely to vote for Trump. Right. Like, I don't hold out much hope for the boomers you know have sh- who have shown a fucking kamikaze like embrace of the <laughs> sacrifice myself for the economy <laughs> line Right? But, but if this becomes the straw that breaks the camel's back it would mean that imprisoning children snatching citizens up in extrajudicial arrests gassing peaceful protesters and using public funds to bribe a foreign leader into rigging our election wasn't enough to move the needle but fucking with their coupon mailers was and that strikes me as the most boomer
2: thing imaginable <laughs> when you come for TV Guide you come for all of us Karen's <laughs> Assemble! (laughs)
1: And on that terrifying mental image We're going to pause for a word from our second sponsor this week Policy Genius
0: Hello and welcome to News at Noon, I'm Chet Chetley. And I'm Bubbles Hamster Rink. We have tragedy as a super tornado filled with murder hornets picked up a bunch of COVID, which can turn itself into metal, and destroyed 50 bajillion homes this week. Sounds like 2020 to me, Chet. Man, it's a good thing there's
2: Policy Genius. What's Policy Genius? Policy Genius saves their home and auto customers an average of $1,127 a year by shopping top-rated insurers in one place.
0: Wow, $1,127
2: is a weirdly specific amount, Bubbles. Yes, it is, Chet, but they crunch the numbers, and that's just what it is. In fact, crunching numbers is one of the things Policy Genius does best. Their insurance marketplace makes it easy to compare rates from top home and auto insurance companies to find you the best
0: price. Sorry, uh, this just in. The coronavirus that can turn into metal is now melting with people's houses and cars which are then turning sentient and destroying themselves. Mm, Peak 2020, Chet. Peak 2020. But luckily, all you have to do is head to
2: policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. After that, Policy Genius does all the work. They'll compare your existing policy against others in the market to make sure you're getting the right coverage at the best possible price. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll get you switched for free. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. So if you're a homeowner, head to PolicyGenius.com right now to get started. They've saved their home and auto insurance customers an average of $1,127 a year. Who
0: knows what weirdly specific amount they could save you? Thanks, Bubbles. Up next, are your eyeballs owned by Facebook? The Supreme Court says yes.
2: Thank you, us. And we're back. Next up in headlines, Ian, Master Date News. I don't know about you, but since Donald Trump's election in 2016, I've often wondered why a reporter doesn't say, you are a liar. Why are you a liar who lies, liar? (laughs) (laughs) And why that doesn't happen at every press conference? Well, I don't have to wonder anymore, because this week, SV Date was that reporter, and that's pretty much what he said.
0: Yep. At which point, a crowd of... Middle school kids who somehow got in were like, ooh, he said you're a liar. Fight, fight, fight.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Amazing little moment. Little background on Date here. He graduated from Stanford University in 1985. He's worked for the Associated Press, NPR, and he is currently the senior White House correspondent for the Huffington Post. What I'm saying is, SV has been putting up with this shit for five years. He's earned the burn. He's earned the burn. (laughs) Diane, to know where you plucked that five
1: years from. You know, five?
2: <laughs> he tweeted, I've been wanting to do that for five years. That's oh, where I, I see. I got it. So here's the exact exchange. Date asked, quote, Mr. President, after three and a half years, do you regret at all all the lying you have done to the American people? all the lying, all the dishonesties. (laughs) And then Trump, amazed that anyone would say the quiet part out loud that wasn't him, replied, that who has done? To which Date replied in a voice, and you gotta watch the clip, in a voice as gentle as a songbird, but as strong as a storm, that you have done.
0: (laughs) You, fucking obviously. You knew what I said. You heard me. And, And that's when Trump looked around, like, he was honestly expecting the Secret Service to, like, throw a shroud over Date's head and throw him in an <laughs> right. unmarked van. And when that didn't happen, Trump's just like, cut. We're going <laughs> to take two on the press conference. Can we take two? Yeah. No. Th- so the best part of this story was watching the little conservative
1: snowflakes afterwards whine about how they were going to start their own White House press corps with beers and hookers and stuff. <laughs> it <was> amazing.
2: Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so as he mentioned, uh, Trump immediately ignored the question and moved on to a reporter who, you know, doesn't have a spine, who has some bullshit to which Trump could respond over the fuck he wanted to. But just for a moment, the newsroom, nay, our very nation was filled with a sanity that it hasn't had for a very, very long time. And in 2020, the year of our Lord, where the dumpster fire is somehow on fire. I am grateful <laughs> for that.
0: I feel like they all are. But yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> and next up in headlines. Donald Trump answered questions on camera. Some more. Whoops. And it was that plural thing that really tripped him up. Answering question, singular, is much more in his comfort zone. It's, it's much closer to not answering questions right, yeah. like <laughs> he did with Dante. But when presented with a series of questions you know, like across the time dimension, all from the same person, as if to elicit informational content. When that happens, Trump really has some trouble. Of course, I'm talking about his interview with Jonathan Swan of Axios, who quickly became one of my favorite people. Very much enjoyed Jonathan Swan's work on this. Swan's facial expressions alone make it worth watching this 37-minute video. But more importantly, it's 37 minutes of Donald Trump Trapped in his very own slow-motion train wreck. It's amazing. You can see the fear and, like, just helpless panic in his stupid fucking face, and it's delightful. But I brought my own graphs. Don't don't use your
2: graphs. Use my graphs. Yeah. <laughs> They're mine. Right. And here's how fucked up a country we are at this
1: point, right? Everyone saw that fucking interview and was like, wow, how do they talk the president into... Publicly answering questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't know how he got fucked. Right? about yeah. this. So the interview happened exactly two weeks ago, and that's because Trump knows that we're very serious bi-weekly podcast journalists here at The Skeptocrat. Yeah. Yeah. So he waited until we released our last episode and then immediately sat down with Swan, bastard. hoping we'd forget about it and not present the story to our Giant audience of millions of undecided voters, (laughs) but we fucking remembered and we're going to go through some of the, the train wreck highlights. It started with a string of questions about Trump's response to the coronavirus and how much worse it's been than the government response in so many other countries. And Trump claimed the pandemic is, quote, under control and tried to move on, at which point Swan was like, absolutely not moving on. No. How do you say it's under control when a thousand Americans are dying every day and Trump literally responded, quote, they are dying. That's true. It is what it is.
2: Uh, Jim Moriarty is like, ooh, probably a better way to put that. Right. right? Well, <laughs> yeah, but come on. We can't have it both ways. It
1: is what it is, is the first demonstrably true thing he said about this virus so far. I think
0: we should applaud the effort. Right. He's <laughs> yeah, so dude, moving in the right direction. Tautologies and, you know, yeah. you'll do a lot better. So from there, Swan asked about our testing capability and how long before we'll be able to give everyone same day results about the coronavirus. And here's the exchange we got Trump, there are those that say you can test too much. Swan, who says that? A a great philosopher? What the fuck are you talking about? Trump, read the manuals, read the books. Swan, what books? Trump, When I took over, we didn't even have a test. (laughs) It's like getting to watch a live-action version of
2: every shitty Trumper who's blocked Noah on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, until I
1: saw this interview, I didn't even know that accidentally including a one in your string of exclamation points was a facial expression,
0: right? (laughs) It definitely is. Swan's so good. He's like the Tom Hanks of interviewing Trump. So this is when Trump takes out a bar graph, that he made on print shop, I guess Mario and starts talking about how the U S is actually doing great compared to other countries. So Swan says, Oh cool. Yeah. Let me take a look at the graph, which (laughs) Trump was not happy about having his bluff called. (laughs) So Swan basically wrestles the chart out of Trump's hand Uh, and he takes a look. uh, Grab my guy. Stop. stop I'm taking it. (laughs) I'm taking it. I'm I'm looking at, this is a live interview. Defense pooping. Don't. Oh, Okay, moving on. Still rolling? You guys still rolling? Great. You caught the shit? Cool. So Swan looks at it and he's like, oh, well, you're doing death as a proportion of cases. I'm talking about death as a proportion of population. That's where the U.S. is really bad. Trump, you can't do that. Swan, why can't I do that? I did that. And that's when Trump pulls out another graph. Uh, apparently containing the exact same information as the first one and he says here's one right here it, it's it's a different one because it, it's a different piece of paper you you take the number of cases look we're last meaning we're first Look, okay uh,
2: let me turn it into an airplane this will be better <laughs> for all
0: I I I asked Elaine Chow to fold it into a bunny and now she's mad at me though and Mitch will turn my Fair. Calls, but... <laughs> and from there swan pivoted the conversation to trump's ability slash inability to read and this was the day before the yo semite incident (laughs) so pretty impressive by swan prescient in particular swan was asking about critical intelligence reports like the ones that mentioned how russia was offering bounties to taliban militants for killing u.s soldiers that trump didn't read trump responded i read a lot i comprehend extraordinarily well Probably better than anybody you've interviewed in a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. Hit me with the test with the cartoon lion.
2: I'll nail it right here on camera. I'm not afraid. <laughs> that one's a camel. Camel. <laughs> I, I know. I this didn't even shit. study this time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, forget for a second how wrong that is, and consider what a bizarre flex I comprehend well is. <laughs> right? It's like it's like bragging about how well you metabolize vitamins. <laughs>
0: Weird flex, but okay, boomer. So, yeah, Swan just stares at Trump with abject loathing for a good minute, it felt like, which served to tacitly point out that you can't comprehend things you don't read, and we know you didn't read those things he was talking about. But Trump didn't comprehend that idea. (laughs) And then, in my favorite segue ever, Swan basically says, okay, well, uh, whatever, speaking of critical intelligence, I guess... Did you fucking send best wishes to accused sex trafficker Jelaine Maxwell? <laughs> and, and, which he did. Trump did that. And Trump says, yeah, I, I wish her well. I'd, I'd wish you well. I'd wish a lot of people well. Good luck. <laughs> I was what actually fuck? just uh, randomly
2: wishing people well. See, uh, here's Dave Wellneck of Bayo, New Jersey. <laughs> I wish him well. What's, what's that? Also a pedophile? Okay, Dan. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> two for
0: two. Bad day for the team, man. What about Roy Moore? Nope. Oh, shit. I know him not. So, yeah, Trump's drenched in the sweat of extraordinary comprehension at this point. And Swan decides, you know, he feels bad. He's going to give him a softball question to close it out. He asks Trump, How do you think history will remember John Lewis? And Trump responds, I really don't know. He didn't come to my inauguration. (laughs) Jesus. I'm I'm sorry. Did you just puke up a
1: bunch of unmetabolized vitamins? What the (laughs) hell is wrong with you?
0: And Swan is baffled at this point. So he's like, wow. Okay. Going to take a mulligan for you (laughs) on that one on your behalf. Look, I found your ball. It's right
1: here in the fairway. Holy
0: shit. Wow, breakfast ball, dude. Okay, let's try one more time. Do you find John Lewis, the civil rights leader, career politician, amazing person? Do you find him impressive? Yeah, just passed away. I don't know if you heard. Do you find John Lewis impressive? And Trump says, I can't say one way or the other. But no, he didn't come to my inauguration. Oh, he
2: mentioned the inauguration again.
0: In closing... Nobody has done more for black Americans than I have. I'm Donald Trump. Mm. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Earlier, he said, maybe Lincoln, but pretty much me. Uh, at which point,
2: someone in Jonathan Swan's earpiece was 100% yelling, you're not allowed to punch him, John.
0: End the interview. End the interview <laughs> Starting to run out from the side of the set. Okay, I thought, thought I was going to have to you. Okay,
1: no, we're good. We're good. Okay. And in pummeled in a thunderstorm news, everybody in Iowa knows what a Drake show is now. After one <laughs> wallop the fuck out of that state and a couple others last week, leaving four people dead and hundreds of thousands without power. Uh, the storm hit with pretty much no warning. and lasted 14 hours, traveled nearly 800 miles, and carried winds equivalent to a Category 2 hurricane. Uh, look, I look for a damage estimate, but even a week after the storm hit, they aren't even ballparking it because... In a lot of places they still haven't even restored electricity and cell service, so how the fuck would they even know what all's broken?
0: Yeah. We don't even know if Iowa is even in Kansas anymore. (laughs) It's it's not clear. All right. That sounds pretty bad, Noah, but do you have any old guy weather facts?
1: I did just finish a Great Courses lecture series about extreme weather, Eli. Thank you. Um, so for those unfamiliar with the term, a derecho is uh, its also often referred to as a land hurricane, but that's a misleading simplification. It's not a spiral storm system at all. In fact, the word derecho is Spanish for straight. On the radar, it shows up as a line of storms that just sweep across the Midwest. Uh, But people use the term land hurricane because that conveys the kind of damage these motherfuckers can do. And unlike hurricanes, they don't give off a lot of advance warning. The conditions that lead to them are basically just the conditions that lead to bad thunderstorms. So it's almost impossible for meteorologists to give sufficient warning. And even if they could, you know, people hear that there's like a derecho warning. Most of them would have no fucking
0: clue what that meant or what they would be supposed to do. I feel like lots of Iowa, definitely Steve King, would try to build a wall. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) not helpful for them to know.
1: So as of this recording, uh, which is six days after the storm hit, uh, there were still over 160,000 people without power in Iowa alone. That's like five percent of the state plus and because there was no warning the entire state has basically run out of shit like generators tarps and fuel uh, the national guard started arriving on friday to distribute emergency supplies and as a handy reminder of how many disaster dominoes are left in this row reporters have consistently pointed out how few of the people showing up to pick up those supplies are wearing masks
0: guys guys you can use the mask to like tack and jibe through a derecho <laughs> Right. Plus the whole anti-plague thing. It's it's a win-win. You're uh, saying
2: peak 2020 is us having to remind people that just because the storm named after a Peruvian dip destroyed your house doesn't mean you can ignore the plague. The plague <laughs> right, is still yes. happening. <laughs> all right. So um, <laughs> now
1: the the state hardest hit was Iowa. So I'm all but legally obligated to point out how this affects corn. And, and honestly, that might wind up being the most devastating aspect of this storm, because corn is usually harvested around mid-September, but this storm wiped out a ton of fields. So if the farmers still want their not quite ready corn, they're going to have to figure out a way to gather it up without power or fuel, and they're going to have to find a place to store it with all their corn silos and shit blown the fuck over in this storm. Or filled with last year's corn still, and that's going to hit the state on top of the economic crisis that the country is already in, you know? So I just, like, in case we needed a dust bowl analog to better connect the sequel (laughs) with the original Great Depression, we've got that now.
2: Yeah, it's nailed it. And finally tonight, in Shot Through the Heart News, one or more coronavirus vaccines are well on track to be the fastest vaccine developed in history, and that is really good really, really good, really hopeful thing that not enough people are talking about.
1: And uh, Putin doesn't count for this metric, by the
2: way. No, He, he, he does not. So, <laughs> researchers around the world are currently developing more than 165 separate vaccines to treat COVID-19. Some are in various states of development, but there are currently eight in large-scale efficacy tests.
0: Alright, so now we just need to blast out plenty of Katy Perry brainwashing music mm-hmm. and a bunch of surreptitious triangle shapes around we'll have to hide wherever on stuff and we'll have everyone on board with world saving vaccines in a few (laughs) more decades i don't know sure uh so most
2: promising is probably the one produced by moderna who have developed an rna vaccine which began its phase three trials on july 27th uh they actually published the results of their phase two trial in the new england journal of medicine and reported that quote Neutralizing antibody teeters were observed in 100% of evaluated participants, end quote. So, obviously, if the final product has anywhere near that level of efficacy, we're looking at the most effective vaccine in history by a huge margin. And, as a result, the government has awarded the company an additional $1.5 billion in exchange for 100 million doses if the vaccine proves safe and effective. Sorry, could I ask for a clarification on one of the points that you just made, Eli? No, you may not. You may not.
0: (laughs) That's what I thought. Great. Uh,
2: Also, there's (laughs) Pfizer. Eli's a cop. (laughs) There's (laughs) Pfizer, whose vaccine is also currently in phase three trials, and they've been awarded a contract to produce 100 million doses by December of this year. In addition, AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca. Them. Yep. They've indicated they could deliver emergency vaccines as soon as October. Also, feel like you should mention it. Russia has a vaccine they stole and they're testing it out on their population <laughs> as we speak, just kind of <laughs> randomly.
0: Yeah. And if you're not picturing all of Russia running around like Ivan Drago in that steroids lab from Rocky 4, <laughs> you fucking should be. Yeah. Well, but not with
1: not with Ivan Drago. They're, like picture the guys from HBO's Chernobyl except without the British accents. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Also, there's that weird moment where Putin was like, I'll give it to my daughter and the Russians were like, oh, it must be safe and we're just like, yeah, you'll kill your fucking daughter, man. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> i want to point out that even the notoriously bummerifically honest anthony Fauci told reporters on july 27th quote it's likely that at the beginning of next year we would have tens of millions of doses available i think as we get into 2021 several months in that you would have vaccines that would be widely available end quote
0: he also added get off me get off give me back my trapper keeper I fucking hate <laughs> i hate you guys those are dicks we're grown-ups and look,
2: this story for a couple of reasons. The first is, I think we could all use some good news. And secondly, because the end of this thing is in sight. I mean, yes, there are doomsayers who cope with our current situation by reveling in the pessimism of this lasting forever. And yes, it has taken and will take longer than any of us hoped for. But a lot of people need to hear this. You have already made it six months into this thing. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and if the thought of however much longer this is going to take is driving you up the wall, my advice is forget about it. Take things one day at a time because soon, so fucking soon, you're going to wake up and this is going to be over. Does it, does it fuck up your thing if
1: I mention the Gallup poll where one in three Americans said they won't get a vaccine when it's available? Because it, uh, I don't, I don't
2: want to fuck up your f- thing. Fucking damn it. Well, uh, I'm going to take the vaccine, and so are you and Heath. So, yeah, my thing stands. Problem solved. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Here's hoping none of us have a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so...
0: Call. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're going to close it out. It's an inside Thanks kid. to no illusions. Thanks to Eli Bosmic. And thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and send us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com skeptocrat. Just like all the new people who donated who will be thanked and have their genitals complimented next time around. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy, and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, Scathing Atheist, Godawful Movies, D&D Minus, and Citation Needed, available on Apple Music, Stitcher, all those other podcast apps, or the deep web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penist. Special thanks to Ryan Sloddick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide, or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, catchphrase sign-off.
1: I like to not say anything about the room noise because I know that Eli has to remember all over again in some kind of stark terror. <laughs> why it is that we're not speaking to him?
2: There's a mini collection at the beginning of all Skeptocrat records of my uh, sudden onset panic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Me talking. I uh, say it's sorry, Monday?
2: Fuck oh. it's It's red. It's red. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but one way or the other, like imagine how pissed I would be about getting the fucking COVID, living in this stupid fucking... St- oh man, it would be great. Be good. I would like it. Like if the last thing I would do would be this awesome fucking diatribe where I'd be like, "Wow, he would have needed a ventilator one way or the other." Honestly, yeah. he was gonna after that. You
2: fill up the bag on your <laughs> ventilator and it pops. <laughs>
1: Taking hits off of it and adding to my bitch.
2: One other thing. Hold on. Hold Put, on. One other thing, though. Putting the volcano balloon on there instead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a turkey bag in, in your body?
1: Yes. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.